Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions, and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. Today we'll talk about when you should consider having genetic testing of embryos. So the capacity for us to test the genetic makeup of embryos is a relatively new advance. This is because the technology in terms of reading the genetic code has only recently become automated and that automation allows us to look at the cells of an embryo in very small numbers to actually make some decisions from those results as to whether an embryo is likely to produce a normal pregnancy. When first advocated, it was thought that we would do this on every embryo that was created to improve the chances of success, since a great proportion of embryos that we create in a laboratory and probably as are created in nature are actually genetically abnormal. In terms of nature, when a woman releases one egg a month, probably over half of the eggs that are produced are genetically abnormal. And it may be even higher. And it probably explains why the human is relatively inefficient as a reproducer and why we have to have 11 fertile times a year or even 12. And pregnancy rates at best are around only one in six of those cycles will actually produce a pregnancy. That inefficiency shows itself in the IVF laboratory. We know when we test embryos of women at 30 years of age, half of them will be genetically abnormal and therefore will never be able to produce a pregnancy that lasts until delivery. There may be miscarriages, there may also be failed implantation. By 40, that number has gone up in terms of abnormal embryos to around 80%, 75 to 80% of embryos produced in a woman at 40 will be genetically abnormal and again were doomed before the replacement into the uterus. And by 45, 98% of embryos are in that category. So if we could select out the embryos that were normal and only put those back, we should improve IVF success rates. And it's true, there is improvement, but it's not the whole story. And that's why we haven't progressed to doing it as a universal technique on all embryos we create. The reasons initially are that to test an embryo in most laboratories, we have to freeze them after we've biopsied them. So we're delaying putting back an embryo. Secondly, the biopsy technique itself has some risks. What we're doing is taking somewhere between six and ten cells from the outer cells of the embryo that what will become the placenta. And to do that, we've got to cut a hole in the eggshell. And in that process, possibly, we damage embryos. And when you combine that with freezing and thawing the embryo, there's something of about a 2 to 3% chance of losing what might have been a normal embryo. So given that embryos are precious, some people don't want to go forward with a process that puts any risk. The next hurdle is that the cells that we collect, as I said just before, are coming from 
the outer layer of cells, the, the cells that will produce the placenta. So we're not actually testing the baby itself, the what is at that point called the inner cell mass. So there is a discordance in a percentage of patients between what's in the placental cells and what the baby's cells genetic makeup might be. We don't believe that that discordance is high, um, but it certainly means that testing those cells on the outside don't necessarily reflect the inside. When we test the cells, what we know is when we put the embryos back, if we've chosen one which has apparently normal genetic makeup in the placenta, there's virtually never been a mistake made. But the reverse is not necessarily true, that there can be abnormal results in that biopsy of the trophectoderm, as it's called, results that suggest the embryo was abnormal and the embryo has been replaced and normal pregnancies have arisen. Now, it's a handful of cases around the world, but it has happened. So there can be mistakes in that regard, that we may be throwing away the occasional embryo that is normal, which is really normal, but in fact the tests had shown it to be abnormal. There are some newer techniques that do not involve biopsying the embryo, looking at the DNA of the culture medium that they lie in, but they haven't yet been shown to be as good as the biopsy approach. Genetic testing uh, in itself has some complications, and so generally in Australia we reserve it for particular cases. And only about 15% of embryos in Australia are being genetically tested. As I said earlier, in some clinics in the US, it's as high as 95% of embryos are being tested. There's also an issue around cost. Testing an embryo, it takes scientific time to actually undertake the procedure. It's a highly skilled process. Obviously, removing six or ten cells under a microscope is a pretty fine technique uh, which um, someone who's trained in video games might do well, but uh, it certainly um, does require a lot of training and a lot of skill. Some scientists are better at it than others. The cost of the scientist's time and then the actual reading of the genetic material requires a very expensive piece of equipment and reagents. So testing an embryo adds another, certainly in our clinic, another almost $800 per embryo. So you can see if you've got four or five embryos, you're adding a fair bit of cost to your cycle. And if the embryos were good enough to biopsy, they were probably good enough to freeze. And what we know is that when we transfer those embryos one by one by one, we will actually end up with the same chances of a baby not testing them as we would by testing them. It doesn't increase your chances of a baby. What it does do, it means we don't waste cycles of frozen embryos. So if you're putting back a, an embryo that was genetically abnormal, basically you're wasting a month and the money associated with that. And so you're avoiding that if you've tested the embryos. So that's one group of patients that I do recommend having genetic testing. Women who've got five or more embryos, I think it's very worthwhile testing them to exclude those that are abnormal and we just would have been wasting our time had we been putting them back. The next group are women over 40. Because we know that the percentage of normal embryos is so low, finding the one that's got the good genetic makeup is a well worthwhile exercise. It also can help explain why embryo transfers have failed in the past if we can show that virtually all the embryos were genetically abnormal. It's also used for specific 
genetic abnormalities in the parents. So if they're a carrier of a particular genetic variation that causes infertility or a miscarriage, we can avoid that by picking embryos that don't have those mutations. And now as we become more and more sophisticated in testing the parents for rare genetic diseases, which relate just not to the chromosome itself, but to actually the single gene in the chromosome, we can go searching for that gene or its mutation in an embryo's cells and know that we're putting back an embryo that is not going to be affected. They're relatively rare conditions and we don't do that very much. The majority of our genetic testing are for women who've had multiple attempts uh, and we're trying to isolate the best embryo at the earliest opportunity. So genetic testing isn't for everybody, isn't for every embryo. And before you embark on it, um, you need to understand the pros and the cons. I hope that's been useful. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to The IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. 